0: In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. My guest today is Ken Wise, who's a trustee at Guild Hall and has uh, uh, had the position there at he holds as head of the Development and Events Committee, which is a very important uh, part of things. Since uh, Guild Hall just spent a year and a half or two years being uh, modified, restored, and refurbished. Uh, why was that considered necessary, and uh, how do you, how happy are you with the result?
1: Uh, Guildhall was renovated a number of years ago, and it was uh, an okay renovation, but they really didn't deal with a lot of the technologies that are required today in terms of sound systems and, and visuals. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, it was very difficult coming and going out of the main auditorium in terms of, uh, there, there was no rise uh, some of the seats were almost under the stage. It was, uh, it was, it, and it was, it was getting tired. The galleries themselves were not really uh, sufficient in terms of the art, which is today, which is much bigger canvases, and and we had no art storage facility. We had no way to get paintings in and out of the 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 guild hall except through the front door. So, I mean, there were there were many many needs in terms of the relevance and changes of today in terms of dealing with both the theater and uh, the gallery, and. It was long overdue, so uh luckily we hired Peter pernoyer who's just truly one of the great architects today. I call him sort of the Stanford White of today, and uh, put all the pieces together. And we ran under thirty million dollar raise, and we've raised almost uh, all of that money. Uh, and uh, we've done it over a, period, a series of phases. We we found we finished the galleries, which opened up this past summer, and they're spectacular. They're state of the art, and we have just a much greater opportunity to have major shows uh with uh, not only our own collection but the collections of many other uh, of, of art curators and the facility in terms of the conference uh, the, the the concert hall that was a a, a little bit more of a complex project but we're we we're holding all true to the original aimer Embry architecture of, of Guildhall, which was uh was 90 some years ago but it was really a jewel that that he created, and we're keeping all the interior of the inside, but creating a rise, making it easier to get in and out. We got rid of a middle uh, aisle, which really presents much better seating capacity and more space between the seats. And um, we're going to have state of the art uh, visual and, and audio, uh, and it'll really be an exciting place to see a movie or listen to the opera or or go to any uh, performance. Uh, and that is going to be reopening on the Fourth of July weekend of this year.
0: That's wonderful. We're all all of us are looking forward to it. I think uh, this last year or two has been hard on the community for the lack of Guildhall. And yes. I'm glad that it's almost up. You had a uh, an installation out front uh, last weekend about this giant sculpture, uh, looks like a, a child's block, but it's been there before. And tell me a little bit about that. And where was it kept in the interim?
1: I, I wish that I could give you more information on that. I have to tell you that I was not out there last weekend, so I didn't see it was put out there. And, you know, the Arts Committee is doing a lot of interesting things to generate an enthusiasm for what's going on inside the museum. So uh, I, 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 I do believe that it is a long-term plan of ours to create a sculpture garden uh, based upon the rules and regulations of East Hampton to create, you know, a, a much more beautiful outdoor space with various sculptures. And this might have been just a test of that in terms of what we're planning on doing. We now have we now have an outdoor theater. We have an amphitheater on the one side. We've we've, we've removed a few trees to make it much more accessible to do outside performances. Uh, and we're going to try to utilize uh, some of the sculptures that we own and maybe others that will be dedicated to us to create a much more beautiful outdoor space for, for sculpture. I don't think we're going to be storming yet, but I think it's going to be pretty special.
0: Tell me about a little bit about yourself I know that you were born in Ohio and uh, that your family uh, was owned the Schrafts chain, which was a restaurant chain and throughout the country, I think. And uh, talk about your growing up and where you went to school and stuff like that.
1: Well, I would say that I grew up in Cleveland, but from the time I was five, I knew I wanted to move to New York and 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 probably to the Hamptons at that time. My family was in both the publishing and the advertising business. The Schraff's business was a job that I had because my family handled the advertising for Schraff's. Um, nice. Unfortunately or luckily, they didn't own Schraff's, but it was a job that I had in between undergraduate and graduate school where I managed a shrafts restaurant in, in New York on Madison Avenue at, uh, at uh, 59th Street. I uh, went to a college in upstate New York. and went to Union College, which was just a wonderful school. And then I came to New York, had this interim job, and then went to graduate school at the University of New York where I studied global finance and marketing. And um, I went to work for what was then Gulf and Western Industries, Charlie Bluedorn in corporate marketing. And uh, I had either the fortune or the misfortune of leading a group of business executives to Iran. And I lived in Iran for almost a year. And I left three weeks before the Shah did, before he went to Egypt. And I watched experience the country having a nervous breakdown. Uh, Pretty extraordinary experience. And when I came back to, uh, to New York, I, I went to Mr. Blurden and I said, I think that licensing is a wave of the future uh, in terms of brand licensing. And uh, cause, and we, we owned a, a, a division called Kaiser Roth, which was a large apparel conglomerate. And I asked the, uh, the head of licensing if I could become his apprentice. And he said, sure. He said, I only hope you're ever more successful than I am. <laughs> and it was my first job and I never looked for a job again. I went from Kaiser Roth to Jordash. I ran the licensing from Jordan. I went to Liz Claiborne, ran the licensing. And then almost uh, 40 years ago, I joined Philips Van Heusen, or PVH Corp, when it was a $300 million company. And I retired at 68, when it was an $11 billion company. We owned Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger and Arrow and Izod and Van Heusen and many, 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 many brands. And uh, I got to see the world because I ran all of our global uh, marketing, all of our global licensing and branding. And it was uh, quite a great, great experience. And to be able to travel like that and then to come back and forth to East Hampton was an amazing uh, mix of, you know, what I would say, business and pleasure, uh, because East Hampton was a place that I, I just, it was magical. And interestingly enough, in terms of the current experience with Guildhall, I bought an Amar Embry house that was going to be torn down. It used to be on Egypt Lane. And I moved that house over to Buell Lane, and I actually bought a lot from Ralph Mulfer, who was the Mulford Acres, which you know is where we have a lot of these summer functions. And so everything sort of ties together in a nice package. So I saved a house that was a, probably a house that Emory, Emory designed on a napkin for someone back uh, <laughs> many, many years ago. And interestingly enough, a lot of the details that were in my house are details that are in Guildhall. So uh, interesting story. Yeah. So I, I bought that house. I moved it. I chopped it into five pieces. I, I called it the project, Five Easy Pieces. It was put back together. And I had that house from 1990 to about 2000. I sold that house and then bought land over in Gild, and, and uh, Dune Alpen, and I, I, I built uh, a dream house there, which I've been in uh, ever since then.
0: What, uh, what first attracted you to East Hampton long ago? You no,
1: know, truthfully, I used to go up to Martha's Vineyard in the late 70s and early 80s, and um, I thought it was pretty special, but coming and going from Martha's Vineyard was really tough. It was, you know, you were at your behest of the, the the plane travels, lots of difficulties, and during that time, that was during the Reagan administration when there was the air controller strike, and I would wait at the airport five or six hours to get a plane to go back. So I tried to find a place that had some of the same kind of topography and geography because I just thought it was so beautiful up there, and I thought that East Hampton did. It has so much of the same feeling when you drive on so many of the roads, and so it was just an easy transition for me. And um, you know, not long after I got to East Hampton. I fell in love with Guildhall, and ultimately felt that Guildhall was just a place where I'd like to spend more time and energy. And eventually, uh, I, I through uh, uh, a series of circumstances, I, I got on the board back in the early two thousands, and uh, and I've been a board member almost ever since then.
0: What do you like to do when you're out here? Are you out here permanently or almost?
1: No, well, I come out uh, at least three or four days a week. Or I was during during the, the the height of COVID. I I I I have a trainer. I like to play golf. I like to go for long walks. I like to hike. Uh, I like the restaurants. I like to go to the galleries. Uh, I like to stay. I like to swim. I like to stay home and read. I like to invite people who've never been out to the Hamptons to show them how fabulous it is and give them little tours. Um, you know, East Hampton is just paradise for me. It's my most favorite place to be in the world. Yeah. From the time that, that my jitney takes the turn on to 27 by the pond in uh, in and in going into East Hampton, you know, I, I I get excited, I get I get I get stimulated, I get turned on to be a part. <laughs> the town. And I always say that there are two interesting metaphors. I always say the day that the lights go up at the Metropolitan Opera House and I don't get excited, that's when I shouldn't live in New York anymore. And that's <laughs> the feeling I have. As soon as that bus takes the turn and I see the pond, I have that same feeling of magic.
0: And I think, by the way, I th- the, uh, the pond has had the swans in it for many, many years, and they've recently left. And I found out where they uh, went. I looked it up and they do not migrate. They they seek larger bodies of water in the winter, and they're in front of my house. I'm on Three Mile Harbor Road, and there's seven or eight swans out there every day. And I think that's the group that uh, was part of the couple that left the pond. I think
1: I think there's also some swans on the uh, lagoon uh, to the left of Main Beach. You know, which is often in the winter they it freezes over and goes go ice skating. But I've seen them over there also. Yeah. But I mean that they, they they are non-migratory. They they stay in their play and they they mate for life, and um you know it's it's kind of wonderful. I I know that I gave you some information of a woman who lives across from the pond. Yes, I haven't had
0: an opportunity, but I'm going to call her up. But she has
1: photographed and she's written you know, for, for over twenty years, and she was expecting, looking forward to meeting you and speaking with you. Yes,
0: um, so I'm going to get to her. I will. Well, and when well, we're we're very about good. out of time with this uh, podcast and uh, I want to thank you for being it and explaining uh, how, how the uh, Guildhall project went online and uh, I'll be in touch with you. We'll talk more and maybe we'll see each other on the Jitney.
1: I look forward to it and I'm going to try and I'm, I'm working on I'm seeing getting getting you to give a talk at, uh, at uh, the Lotus Club. So it's on my it's on my agenda. So we're looking forward to that, too.
0: Great. Thanks a lot for your time. Bye bye. Appreciate
1: it and bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.